So that's mossy, swampy kind of water underneath him. Go, go get a rope. <laughs> throw him a week. Throw him a rope. <laughs> throw him a rope. Go get a rope. Go, go get the canoe. Put the canoe in. Pull, go, get, get the canoe in the water. April, I, I'm, I'm doing the video. Get, put the canoe in. Just put, pick the canoe up and go in and go underneath him. Save him. Hey, hang on. Hold on, man. Hold on. I'm losing it. <laughs> Come on. I can almost stand on the green No, no, lift up the canoe and put it in. <laughs> what? Oh, you gotta love that video. Isn't that great? I you I love that video because because that guy's a church planner. Uh, and, and he and his, his church planner friend got together, and they decided they're going to go on this retreat with their, their families. His name was Daniel, the guy that was hanging there over the pond. And you could just see him losing strength, can't you? Just, just his grip begins to... The problem is not Daniel's determination, because he's got a lot of determination. The problem is not his resolve, because he has a lot of resolve. He desperately wants to hang on, but given enough time... His strength runs out, and he loses his grip. Now, Jason is the other church planner that you don't see in the film because Jason is the church planner holding the phone that is videoing his friend. And in my opinion, he made the right decision choosing to continue to record the event rather than helping get the canoe that he so affectionately spoke of to his children. You think it was a good decision. If you watch America's Funniest Home Videos, these church planners actually uh, turned this video in, submitted it. It turns out they're one of the three finalists to win $10,000. Isn't that just a wonderful thing, wonderful story how God can turn things around? When I saw this video of these guys and I laughed my head off, I, I said to myself, well, this has never happened to me, but, but I know the feeling." This has never happened to me, but I know the feeling. I bet that's true for you as well. A feeling of hopelessness in, in, a, in a situation in your life. A, a feeling that says, I, I've held on as long as I possibly can. I'm exhausted and failure seems inevitable. The feeling that everything is going to drop does anybody know what I'm talking about today? You ever felt that way before? Because you're tired of pursuing and you're tired of applying and you're tired of counseling and you're tired of arguing and you're tired of forgiving and you're tired of asking for forgiveness and you're tired of hurting. And if you're honest, you're tired of praying. And so today I want to share a message that I'm calling Kiss the Wave. I've never preached this message before in my life. A kiss the Wave. So if you want to write that down, you can. Kiss the Wave. It's for anyone who has been barely hanging on. And here's something that I know as an adult in my life, if I was to reparent my kids again as we watch people in ministry go through difficult times, the thing, of the, the word of wisdom or counsel that I would tell them, I would put my arm around my girls, and as they would say, I really feel bad for them, and I feel bad for them too. Uh, thank God things are going well for us but our turn is coming. 
Because eventually your turn is coming in life that you're going to experience a feeling of hopelessness and of struggle and of disappointment and of sometimes even disillusionment in your life. Kiss the wave is for anyone who's barely hanging on. It comes from a quote of a famous preacher in the mid-1800s. His name is Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon was a very influential, powerful preacher in the mid-1800s, and uh, he had some major struggles in his life, though. And as you read his autobiography, you discover that he was a man who was clouded with depression, bouts of serious, ongoing depression in his life, so much that his wife said, quote, my beloved's anguish is so deep and violent that we sometimes fear he may never preach again. Such... This is a guy who had, get this, 53 million sermons published in print in hundreds and hundreds of languages. He preached 13 different messages every week in his ministry. It lasted almost 40 years. This is a guy who, who really was, was overcome in many ways by depression, but also by anxiety because early in his ministry, he was preaching to a, a crowd and it was a really packed out uh, uh, auditorium that he was preaching to the people, and somebody thought they'd be funny. So some, you know, people like people do just ridiculousness. Somebody just thought, well, this will be kind of fun. I, I'm just going to just for kicks yell fire. So they yelled fire in this packed out auditorium, and it it caused pandemonium. Panic took place in the auditorium. People were trampled. Seven people lost their lives. Over a hundred people were hospitalized uh, because of this ridiculous thing, and Charles Spurgeon, for the rest of his ministry, is quoted as saying, every time I stepped up behind the pulpit to preach the, God, the word of God, I became gripped with anxiety and, and fear because of what had happened so many years ago. His wife was sick. She gave birth to their twins in 1856, and uh, right after that, she became very, very sick, so sick that nine years later, she was totally an invalid. She spent the final 25 years of their marriage in a bed, bedridden. He was physically had pain, um, kidney disease and, and gout, which brought about severe arthritis that just plagued him. And if you've, if you've never had that kind of pain before, it is, it is like a toothache that never ends. It, it is like a stub toe that keeps stubbing over and over and over again. It is so severe and chronic that it can drive a person crazy. And so when he talks about his sufferings and his struggles in life, here's, here's what he's quoted as saying. The, the waters rolled in continually, wave upon wave. He says, I don't mention this. You, ever, you know what I'm talking about? Wave upon wave. They just keep crashing and crashing and crashing. I don't mention this to exact sympathy, but to simply let the reader see that I am no dry land sailor. I have tra traversed those oceans. I know the roll of the billows and the rush of the winds. In other words, I know what it's like, wave upon wave upon wave upon wave. And, and, and yet when he talks to us as the followers of Jesus Christ, he's not, saying, he's not saying that we need to just endure the wave. He's not saying we need to withstand the wave. His challenge to us, this old-time preacher, is to kiss the wave. I've made it a, since I went to a retreat in September at the end of our sabbatical, uh, the challenge was given by a preacher. He said, I, I challenge you, I dare you to read three sermons a week, and I dare you to listen to three sermons a week of people you may never read or listen to. And so since then, I've been doing that, taking that as a challenge, and part of it is listening to old time or actually reading old time um, ancient, or not ancient, but long time ago, 150 years ago or, or more uh, preachers, and, and it's really fascinating 
preaching about some of the same things that we're dealing with in our postmodern culture that we're in today. And he says, the challenge is to kiss the wave. And it comes from this quote. He says, I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. I've learned to kiss the wave that the rock of ages is a, it's a term for God. Um, he is the firm foundation. He is the rock of ages. I'm talking about the wave that is beating you down and you just don't think that you can do it any longer. It's a wave, or maybe it's a series of waves that overlap. And my point is this. My point is we can learn to view these waves as opportunities to discover God's power and presence in a way that we did not know before the waves came. Now, I'm going to say that again. We can learn to view these waves as opportunities to discover God's power and presence in a way that we did not know before the waves came. We've got to learn to kiss the wave because the wave brings with it an opportunity to be used by God in a way that I could never have been used otherwise. It gives me an opportunity to glorify God in a way that I wasn't capable of glorifying God before. We've got to learn to kiss the wave because there are some things that we will learn in the wave, some things that we do in the waves that we could never grasp if we were just laying beside the pool drinking an Arnold Palmer. James chapter 1 is where we're going to hang out today. So if you'll turn to, in your Bible to the book of James chapter 1 toward the end of your Bible. We're going to start there. Let me give you a little context, and I won't be long today, but I do want to kind of help us with this. James is writing a, um, a letter to Christians. So he's writing the letter to people who know Jesus but these Christians are being persecuted. I mean, really badly because of their faith. They're being, can you imagine being kicked out of your home and saying you can no longer live here? You paid for the home. You built the home. You worked for the home, but you can't live there anymore. They're being scattered. They're away from their family members. They're being beaten, imprisoned, tortured. They're being even executed and killed. They're being put into exile. So James writes this letter to try to encourage these believers through this very this extremely difficult time. And the purpose of writing this letter to them is to help them have a different perspective of the suffering that they're experiencing. See, James is not saying it's gonna, James is not saying it's gonna be done. It's not saying claim your victory. He's not even saying a breakthrough is coming. What he's saying to the Christians. And what Peter also says to the Christians that are being persecuted is, you need to listen to me for a second. You gotta have a different perspective on what you're experiencing than the perspective that the enemy wants you to adhere to. This is what it should look like for Christians to experience hardship. This is what it should look like for you to face hardship. This is how you should look at your difficulties through the lens of the Gospels. James chapter one, verse number two. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. It says in the New Living Translation, I put that one up here for you too. It says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. <laughs> what? Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. So let it grow. For when you, your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing, needing nothing. <laughs> we struggle with this. 
In other words, what he's saying, what you're going through is being used by God to deepen you spiritually. Now, I know I'm talking to somebody in here who is experiencing some waves in your life and somebody in here who needs an answer in your life. And everybody else should listen because tomorrow you're going to need an answer in your life. You're going to be experiencing something in your life that you're going to need to hear some good news about. It didn't say when trials come. It says if trials or troubles come, or, excuse me, it does, doesn't say if, it says when they come, because they're going to come. We struggle with this. Um, most of us say things like this when, when a trial happens or when trouble comes. I, I, I never saw it coming. I never saw it coming. Now, we have 20-20 vision when it comes to our neighbor. We can see it coming with them. We're like, I know, I, I saw that coming from a mile. I can't believe you didn't know that was... I, and we're gossiping and talking and Christian sharing and prayer requesting and all that kind of stuff. But, but we, we can see it clearly for them. But I never, I never saw it coming. It can feel to us like God isn't holding up his end of the deal. When I became a Christian, I surrendered. That's my side. And so we have this, this unspoken or sometimes spoken philosophy that says, and because I surrendered, God's side is to keep the waters calm and reasonably warm so that I can be comfortable in my life. And yet the storms, when they come, not if, but when they come, it might feel like God has let us down. He hasn't kept up his side of the deal. This is one of the main reasons, guys, why many people leave the church and they walk away from God altogether because they have this idea that God's job is to prevent or to deliver us or to keep us away from difficulties and struggles and suffering. That's not Christianity. That's, that's a different religion. And the different religion is called moralistic therapeutic deism. I know, you're like, I knew that. We talk about it all the time. I just want you to know what it's actually called. And a sociologist by the name of Christian Smith explains what moralistic therapeutic deism, he says, worshiping a God, that's a lowercase g, worshiping a God who blesses people who are good and nice and fair and helps believers to be happy and feel good about oneself. And, and some of you might be thinking, well, isn't that what we believe? No, it's not what we believe. That is not what we believe. And so if, if you believe that, then crucify that at the altar because that is not the God, capital G, that we worship. That is not who God has told us that he is. Um, it, maybe that's how it was presented to you or, God forbid, maybe that's how you're presenting it to your own children and we wanna stop that right now and today if we can. If you follow Jesus, if you're a good boy, if you're a good girl, then God's going to make life easy for you. But if you're a bad boy or a bad girl, then life's going to be difficult for you. And if we communicate that verbally or non-verbally, uh, what we're doing is we're teaching heresy because that's not, that's not the truth. Yeah, you're not going to have any troubles or trials and life is not the truth. If, if, and if that's what you bought into or if that's what our children buy into, then when the waves come and they will come, it's easy to distance yourself from God because he didn't come through. Christian Smith concludes this way. He says, when this naive and coldly utilitarian view of God crashes on the hard rocks of reality, we shouldn't be surprised to see people of any age walk away. 
the word of God says that there will be hardships and we will experience suffering. And much of the New Testament, get this, 27 books in the New Testament. Take out the Gospels, uh, that's four. Uh, take out that book of Revelation, the, the prophecy, the revelation of Jesus in the end times, that's five. That leaves us with 22 books. And the majority of those books, at least 17 of them, are talking to us about how we should endure and persevere through the sufferings and trials of this life. Don't tell me that, that, um, that God is gonna answer every prayer in the way that we want him to answer every prayer. We're also not defeated. We are full of victory. We have a hope that cannot be stopped. James chapter 1, verse number 2, when trials of any kind come your way, when trials of any kind come your way, any kind. I want to define that for us very quickly uh, this morning by using my, my board here. When trials of any kind come your way, um, I think I'm going to define these as, as waves. And so the, the first one, I'm just going to call small waves. Small waves are waves that you see, and they just, they just, they just keep on coming. I mean, they're not going to knock you over. And that's why we go to the ocean, because the small waves can seem relaxing. They can seem invigorating. The sound of the ocean just is so therapeutic to so many of us. It might not seem so bad to endure a small wave uh, when we are... Um, uh, when, we're, when we're in it, it might not seem so bad to, as we're watching other people deal with a small wave. But the struggle of the small wave is not in the size of the wave, but in the fact that the waves are relentless. They just keep coming. Will it never stop? It just keeps coming. The bills, they just, they just keep on coming, yes? The, the one argument after another after another, one criticism after another, after another, one rejection after another, after another, after another. And with one of these things, you're fine. You can handle one of these things for the most part, at least for a little while. But the waves, they just keep on coming, don't they? The second one is what I'm going to call um, rogue waves. A rogue wave is a, let's take a look at this video. Why don't you, why don't you take a look. of this, this rogue wave, and rogue waves are, um, it's a surprise, it's not a pleasant surprise, but it's a surprise when you see a rogue wave, so oftentimes they're out in the middle of the ocean, I saw lots of videos this week as I was researching for this message, um, lots of videos of Navy ships and so forth that have encountered rogue waves out in the middle of the ocean, and it's powerful, a rogue wave for us might be the death of a family member, it might be the, the death of, uh, of, a, of, a, of a friend that we have might be the loss of a job, a little bit bigger than a small wave, isn't it? 
A rogue wave might be a painful breakup we, we go through. A rogue wave might be a gossipy friend and you're, you feel as though your integrity is under assault. A rogue wave might be a rebellious child and you're dealing with the effects of that child and their behavior. And when it comes for a season, life can be pretty difficult. And then the, the, the final category is, is what we're going to call uh, tidal waves. They're also known as tsunamis. And when those come, man, uh, check, check it out. Just, you know you've seen one. Check, check it out. Again, just a cell phone video. Somebody's obviously on the third or fourth floor of a hotel. Reminds me of 2004 when I was serving in a, another church. And uh, 2004, if you remember, the great tsunami took place. So we had another big tsunami this year in 2018. But 2004, I was really, my heart went out to the, the, the people who live in the, uh, the nation of Sri Lanka. And in Sri Lanka, which is literally on the other side of the world from where we live. And so we could fly west or east or north. And we, it still took the same amount of time to get there. And so it's literally on the other side of the, the world. And, and that, that, that whole, uh, it's like an island uh, on the edge of, of, uh, of the nation and, and uh, or the continent. And it, um, satellite pictures show that that tsunami actually moved the whole nation eight feet. 44,000 people on that one little island in less than eight minutes were taken out to the ocean and never seen again. 44,000 people. Tsunami is a, a, a tidal wave. Is, is, uh, it, it, when a tidal wave comes into your life, it changes the landscape of everything. The shoreline, every, it has to be rebuilt. This, this is the loss of a child. This, this is a... This is a uh, an unfaithful spouse. This is a terminal illness. This is a car accident that is devastating. This is an addiction that's gotten out of control. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tidal wave. And James tells us that when, when these kinds of waves come, small or rogue or tidal, when these kind of waves come, he says, he says in James chapter 1, verse number 2, when troubles of any kind, any kind come, uh, come your way. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. <laughs> They're all opportunities for great joy. And my reaction to that is, really? Really? An opportunity for, come on. And this is how James is actually starting his letter off to people whose children have been killed, to people who have lost everything. 
to people who have faced persecution and beatings and emotional abuse, people who have been persecuted, and they're right in the thick of it. They haven't even come out of it yet. They're experiencing all kinds of pain. And he starts his letter off like, hey, everyone, good to visit with you. I just want to start off by saying, I've heard everything that you've said, and my heart goes out to you. I just need you to know that this is an opportunity for great joy. And if you were the recipient of that letter after you lost your child, after your spouse had a, a, an affair, after, after you went through the, 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 the terrible um, terrible heartbreak and, and pain of, of the, the, the death of someone so close to you that you spent so much time with. You might hear this, and depending on what kind of wave you're up against, if it's a, the, you might seem unbelievable to you, but if it's really a tidal wave you're experiencing, it might just be flat out offensive to you to hear that. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Really, my wife just cheated on me. An opportunity for great joy. My kid's addicted to crack. Really, an opportunity for great joy. My boss, after 10 years of loyal, faithful service, just fired me. Really, an opportunity for great joy. The cancer is back. And it's an opportunity for great joy. And the answer is yes, and we have to really lean into this and really try to understand what's going on. You see, that's what Charles Spurgeon, the preacher of old, meant when he said, I've learned to kiss the wave. See, every wave, every small, every rogue, every tidal wave that we experience brings an opportunity to discover a joy and a peace that is not dependent upon the condition of the water, a joy and a peace that is not dependent upon the condition of the water. I've got to say it one more time. A joy and a peace that is not dependent upon the condition of the water, the circumstances of this life. That's what we want to experience. That's where we want to live. That's the sweet spot of life. You see, spiritual maturity is achieved when we realize that the waves are an opportunity to embrace rather than an obstacle just to endure. James says, consider it pure joy when you face the waves. That's not natural. That's not natural because when I got this going on in my life, I want to feel mad. I, I want to be angry. I want to be bitter. I want to blame God. I want to be afraid. I want to be scared. I want to panic. When the waves come, and I understand, I really understand waves. Things aren't going according to your plan. It's not working out. My story should have gone a different direction. And yet James says to consider it pure joy when the waves come. Consider, consider, consider is an interesting word. Let me define it for you. I'll put it on the screen. Consider intentional. It means intentional and prolonged thinking about. It's the idea of pushing your mind onto something until it breaks. So when the waves come, our response should be to approach it initially and with prolonged thinking because it needs to be viewed and thought through in the context of what the Bible teaches, and that's not what we do, is it? Instead, we want to stare at the screen until we go numb. Instead, we want to take pills that are going to offer us some bit of uh, false peace for just a little while. 
Instead, we want to go numb by spending money and shopping and going into debt. We want to, instead, we want to enter into a new relationship because that old relationship didn't work out. And so now it's time to go into a new relationship. And we carry the same junk forward. We want to find some way to deal with the pain rather than just considering it. We're to think about it. Not an obsessive or bitter way, but in a way that's from a, another perspective. Maybe a brother or sister that's already gone through it before and you're asking them questions. See, that's part of considering it. You find a, a, a saint of God that has endured and gone through and persevered through something similar to what you're enduring and persevering and going through and you ask them questions like this. Like, what did God teach you in the middle of that? How did God grow you? How did you find peace in the midst of the way? That's considering it. Maybe another aspect of considering it is you, you do some research and you get a book, you read some books about how you deal with waves in a way that honors, in a way that honors God. Don't go into yourself. But consider it. Maybe, maybe you journal about it. And Terry was a great example a few minutes ago. Maybe you journal about it. You get yourself a, a spiral notebook and you just begin writing what's happening in your life. And as you're doing it, you're reminding yourself of the promises of Almighty God. These are all methods, ways of considering it. And as you consider it, you start to find out that in the midst of the waves, there is an opportunity for us to learn some great things for you to grow in some ways that you could never have grown before and for God to be glorified in a deeper way through your life than you ever thought possible. It's not that you want it. I mean, nobody desires waves. Nobody wants this. But guys, pull your head out of the sand because they're coming. In this world, Jesus promised, he pledged, you're gonna have waves. But take heart, I've overcome the waves, right? Jesus told us the truth. And you get to a place that these waves are coming. And as you mature in your walk with Jesus, you learn to, you learn to dive into them a little bit. And, and one thing I've learned is that when we have waves, we all tend to ask the same question. Why? 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 We think if we get the answer to this question, the pain's gonna go away. Why did, why did she die? Why did I lose my job? Why, why did my kid go sideways? Why, why, why did I experience that embarrassment and that pain? Why? why, why? And, and so we begin to process through that sometimes and we'll, and we'll hear somebody else say a trite answer to us, something like this. This is, well, everything happens for a, everything happens for a reason. And if I know the reason, well, then maybe I'd feel better about what I'm going through. But I want to challenge you in this area right now to stop thinking that way. I challenge you to ask God for a purpose rather than asking God for a reason. You see, a reason always looks back but a purpose always looks forward. And so you gotta quit asking God for the, for the reason, um, and you gotta look at your future. Start asking questions according to James chapter one. What good can be found in this wave? What opportunities God can be found in the midst of the graveside that I'm standing by right now of somebody that I loved so much? What good can come out of that? 
How can you be honored, God? But do you see the difference in asking for a reason which is always going to bring you down? Satan will use that as a tool and a weapon in his arsenal. But asking God, what is the purpose? What meaneth this, Lord? What is the purpose behind it? What are you going to use this for? You maybe didn't create this, but you certainly will use this waves, waves, waves. You know what waves are? Waves mean test time. It's test time. If I wanted to measure the intelligence factor or quotient of the students in my classroom when I was a teacher, by the way, I still am a teacher, but if I really want to measure the, the intelligence quotient of them, I wouldn't give them a test because a test can be prepared for. A test doesn't measure the amount of knowledge that is actually being retained. A test measures the amount of knowledge that has been prepared for. But the best way to get a real litmus test of how much your people know is to give them a pop quiz. Oh, close your books, put your stuff away, take out a piece of paper and a pencil. Here we go, baby. How many of you hated pop quizzes, right? Because you didn't have a chance to prepare for them. And you know what? Spiritually speaking, that's what you hate about these is their waves. And you didn't have a chance to prepare for them. And you know what? Life sucks sometimes. It hurts sometimes, and very rarely do you get an, a, a, an invitation from the enemy with an RSVP attached to it, right? You don't know when it's going to happen, but it happens, and we have to be prepared. The Bible says, in season and out of season. James chapter 1, verse number 3, for you know that when your faith is tested, it's time to find out where your hope really lies. And then in verse number, verse number four tells us, um, uh, so let it grow, let it, let it grow, let it grow, so let it grow. You gotta let, so let it, stop fighting it, stop feeling sorry for yourself. <laughs> let it grow, right? Let, so let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I'm going to close with a story of, a, of one of my wife's heroes of the faith. Her name is Corey Tenboom. Corey Tenboom and her sister Betsy were in a Nazi concentration camp, and she has so many incredible writings and survivors. In this Nazi concentration camp, Corey and her sister Betsy were there in this overcrowded, flea infested concentration camp where they endured abuse sexual abuse, physical abuse, um, torture, uh, uh, no food and very, very little water. And they were able though to smuggle in one Bible. And then the, uh, the ladies had a dorm separated from the men because they didn't want them to procreate. The ladies were over here and that's of course where the guards would try to visit every night. They were able to smuggle in one Bible and they'd been reading in secret and they came across a verse that says, consider it all joy. Are you familiar with the verse? Corey didn't like it. Betsy decided that she did like it. So she took that verse and she said, she started praying a prayer out loud with, with the other ladies around and the, the prayer would go something like this. God, I thank you for the fleas. Thank you for the fleas. I'm considering it all joy for the fleas. Her sister, Corey, 
um, thought that was ridiculous and refused to agree with her in prayer, thanking God for the fleas because they were biting and they could, they were, it was like a never ending, never ending. But after a while of hearing her sister thank God for months, thanking God for the fleas, Corey decided that she was going to thank God for the fleas as well. And so she started joining in with her sister, praying this prayer of thanksgiving, thanking God for the fleas. And over the next few months, again, it goes on months, for the next few months, something incredible happened. The fleas got worse. The fleas got so bad that they were thick, almost clouded the sun. Uh, The fleas were worse. They got so bad that the guards stopped coming in the building. So the women were able to do things that they never thought was possible before. Things that were punishable by immediate death without trial. They could do open Bible studies in the midst of the fleas. They could do prayer meetings in the midst of the fleas. They worshiped out loud together because those guards weren't coming in to the flea infested women's dorm. Numerous women came to faith in Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And later they discovered, they didn't know at the time why the guards weren't coming in, but later they discovered that the guards had stopped coming into the barracks because of the fleas. See, God was somehow using the fleas to bring about something good. God was using the fleas to protect them. God was using the fleas to strengthen their faith. God was using the fleas to help them bring others to the knowledge that Jesus Christ saves regardless of the dark, treacherous circumstances that you might find yourself in. So when you find yourself overwhelmed by the wave, here's the challenge and the challenge I want you to get, you dive into it. You dive into it. You don't run away. You don't try to swim around it, but you dive into it. Take a look at what I mean. It's, 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 a, it's a dive that's it's called, a, it's called a duck dive. Surfers know it. And so when you see the wave coming, you got to learn to dive underneath the wave or the wave's going to push you back in the direction you don't want to go. The wave's going to take you down and crash you into the coral beneath you. But if you duck dive, if you go into the wave, if you go directly into that which is trying to take you down, you'll find yourself victorious on the other side of the wave. But there'll be more waves, and you got to learn to duck dive again. you got to learn to go back into the wave one more time. It's, we need to lean into the water. We need to lean into the wave. The best way out is always through, can someone say amen? What would it look like if you did that? Instead of fighting the waves, instead of complaining about the waves, Just dive into it. And I can promise you that God will never waste a wave. New Life Church, some of us today are in small waves and some of us are in rogue waves and some of us are in tidal waves. Some of us are in a time of quiet waters, but we know the waves waves are coming. Kiss the wave. Kiss the wave. Our great God, how much we love you. How grateful we are. How grateful we are. You have been so faithful to us. You have been so good to us. God, we would be remiss if we didn't recognize and acknowledge with a heart of gratitude and an appreciation that is deep within us how much we love you how much we are are grateful and thankful. 
But God, there are some here today that are having a hard time kissing the wave. There are some here today that are having a hard time not focusing on the problem. There are some here today that have a hard time to, uh, to quit asking for a reason. And, and Lord, I'm asking that you would, like Terry preached, which so wonderfully intertwines with what I'm talking about today, would you help us, Lord, be transformed by the renewing of our minds this morning, God? Would you do a work in us? God, help us to realize that you're more concerned about what's happening in us than you are what's happening to us. And God, help us to know that you are the master of the waves you're the creator of it all that you can speak in peace will be still but eventually more waves will come you raise the dead but the dead eventually died again you healed the sick but they eventually got sick again See, in this world, we will have trouble. And I am so grateful for the miracles. I am so grateful for the breakthroughs. I am so grateful for the victories. But God, most of life is lived in the gray. Most of life is lived in the middle. Most of life is lived in the waiting. Most of life is lived in the area that requires us to kiss the wave. So I'm asking that you would take us to a whole nother level spiritually. God, we're not defeated. We do have victory. We do trust in you. But I know that my Bible says that even if you do not, Jesus, one day, you're going to wipe every tear away from your eyes. One day, one day, all pain will be gone. One day, every sickness will be eliminated from the planet. And one day, you'll wipe every tear Revelation 21, verse number four. No more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. The old order has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. So God, if you provide the miracle and the breakthrough in this life, we will give you praise. And if you choose to make us wait until the breakthrough or the miracle comes in the next life, we will praise you even more. We love you and we're grateful. Is there someone here today that would say, Troy, you're speaking directly to my heart. I'm going through it. I'm experiencing a wave. I'm experiencing these relentless little waves or I'm experiencing a rogue wave came out of nowhere. I'm experiencing a tidal wave and I'm being taken down and it's knocking me off of my knees and I need God to do something and I need to experience his victory and I got to start reframing it. I got to quit looking at it. What's the reason? I got to start looking to say, God, what is the purpose behind this? And how can I glorify you in the midst of the storm? If that's you today, slip your hand up to heaven and say, God, I need you now. God, I need your help. God, I need your strength. Holy Spirit, come be my comforter. Holy Spirit, come be my counselor. Holy Spirit, come and be my helper. Oh God, we need you to touch us. Shower it out upon us. God, not just so that we can receive the blessing, but so that we can be the blessing. Oh God, oh God, oh God. We kiss the wave today. And with your help, God, as the waves come, we'll kiss the wave every day of our lives until Jesus comes or until we go to see you. In the powerful, awesome, anointed name of Jesus Christ. And if you agree, say amen. Amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. And amen. And amen. I do not want to be viewed in any way as, as, as being boastful, but I am giving you everything that I can every single week. 
And I want you to take this not as a wonderful, splendid thing, but I want you to take this as meat at the table of Almighty God. You belly up, you eat it, and you use it every day of your life. Because just as God is preaching to you, man, he is preaching it to me even harder. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest, and may he give you peace. God bless you, New Life Church. Have a great Sunday. Amen, amen, and amen. Praise God.